There's been a lot of injuries with the Charlotte Hornets this season and last season, but what player has benefited most from those injuries? We discuss that, and then we also take a look at the training staff with the Hornets all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. We also appreciate all of our sponsors on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Today's time. episode being brought to you by Game Time means you can download the Game Time app and create an account. Use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. That's Doug Branson. Find him on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com, and I'm Walker Mail. You can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. All right, Doug. Well, there's been a lot of injuries. There's been a lot of people talking about just how unhealthy really? the squad has been the last <laughs> couple of years. Yeah, in case you didn't know. Um, doesn't matter what variety. It's been an ankle injury. There's been multiple ankle injuries, lots of those. Mm-hmm. There's a stomach virus in the mix now. There's a lower back contusion. Mark Williams being doubtful constantly. People are getting angry with the injury reports. Josh Lloyd, who we're going to reference here in a moment, locked on fantasy basketball host. He's not thrilled with the way that the Hornets have been reporting their injuries this year. And so it's really welcome <laughs> to the club with the designations. We just have no clue what's going to happen. So there's been all of that. That's been a storyline for the second straight year. Uh, if, if we continue to try to focus on the positives, if we get the magnifying glass and go real Sherlock Holmes trying to figure out, hmm, where are the positives? Are there any positives? Who do you think are some of the players that benefit the most from the injuries that we've seen the last couple of seasons and maybe even specifically this year? Well, I would say it would probably be all of the second-round picks that the Hornets have accumulated over the past couple of drafts that have gotten significant playing time and even gotten opportunities to start games. I mean, just this season, Bryce McGowan's, I think in the few starts that he's had in place of Gordon Hayward, has played a lot better as a starter. But even when he's not starting, he's getting significant minutes, and that's experience for guys that, look, if you're drafted in the second round, you're not necessarily guaranteed any experience, uh, maybe in the G League, and then potentially a few games here or there if, if a team you know needs to rest players if you're playing on a playoff team with veterans who rest. But the Hornets are a dream for a second round. Like, I, if I'm a second rounder on another team, and I've got an expiring deal. I'm calling my agent right now and saying, get me to the Charlotte Hornets because that team is cursed. They don't need Amen Thompson, Walker. They need Shaman Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to be fair, they probably do need an Amen. Like, we do need some Hallelujah type stuff. We need something from a higher power to help the Charlotte Hornets. And so Amen or Shaman, it does not matter. We need somebody of that ilk to come and help the Hornets. So you go with the second round picks. You go with some of the guys because of opportunity, especially Bryce, who's actually showed something when he gets into the starting lineup. I'm going to go with a player that I, I think this actually would have hurt in other seasons, but this year it's benefited. I'm going to go with Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. So we've had a few of these Terry Rozier appreciation segments this season. So if you look at him, he's actually only played 16 games so far. 
that's one more than LaMelo's played because Terry had that injury in the middle of the year. He was hurt from Dallas. It's funny, Doug, like you see Terry get hurt. LaMelo really starts to go off after that fourth quarter against Dallas, but that was the first game that Terry missed. And then Terry comes back against Orlando and that's the game that LaMelo ends up missing the the last half of because he gets hurt but in those games that he's played without LaMelo since Terry came back he's averaging 23 and a half points per game 47 percent from the field 42 percent from three on seven and a half attempts from distance and eight assists a game those numbers are just flat out awesome all across the board there's it's there's no inefficiency you're getting other guys involved. You can see it. We've talked about it a million times. Just the decision-making in the pick-and-roll, decision-making hitting guys early where he's not dribbling the air out of the basketball, hitting him at the right time. And you could argue because of LaMelo's injury, it doesn't help Mitch Kupchak. It doesn't help the Charlotte Hornets in winning, and that's what ultimately matters. It might help with some Terry Rozier trade value because if the idea is that everything needs to be blown up, Sorry, Terry, you're playing excellent brand of basketball right now, but it's not helping them win. Gordon Hayward, you're old. It's not helping the Hornets win. What it would help with the Hornets is if they traded Terry, like now his value is something better than what what it was last year when they couldn't find another trade partner. So I do think that Terry Rozier is the guy that is benefiting most from LaMelo's injury in a sense that he's handling the basketball a lot more in a way that he wouldn't if LaMelo was still there. And he's making the most of it. I go Terry here. Well, I think we should separate play that actually does help your team win and then your team winning or not. Because those are to me, those are two different things. There are a lot of reasons why a team sure. doesn't win or wins. I would say the reason right now that the Hornets aren't winning basketball games is because they, for what feels like the 15th season in a row, they don't have a legitimate NBA center rotation. Now they they did they have two decent centers in Mark Williams and Nick Richards, but that was it. They don't have anyone you know left to fill that gap when one of those guys inevitably like one of those guys was inevitably going to get injured with something, and they just had no backup plan to the backup plan. And so you know when you when you leave that big of a hole and a team that's not really physical to begin with, then you're going to have a lot of problems doing the things that they've had a lot of problems doing, including defensive rebounding, which has cost. I mean, it cost them the game against Toronto. Terry Rozier, on the other hand, has brought them back from you know 10, 15 down into games where they had an opportunity to win. He is making winning plays all over the floor, but you know you you can only do so much as a as a guard that's, in those departments. Yeah, that's that's not what I that's not what I meant. That's that's not what I meant. What I what I meant was it, with Terry Rozier playing as well as he is, that's helping them have a chance to win. I'm talking about Lamelo's injury not benefiting Mitch Kupchak because without Lamelo, they're not going to win as many games. But with Lamelo being yeah. out, Terry Rozier playing a different brand and showing that he can do something that he had not shown in a couple of years and that might being able to salvage some of his trade value that he was not able to get last year yes this is not (laughs) let's get that out of the way because i saw the weird look on your face as soon as i said something to the tune of them still losing it is not terry's fault as to why they're losing right now that is not the kind of message I wish to the convey. The fact that they're even in some moment. of these games is yes. a miracle of Rozier. <laughs> I mean, that's what, just what a I fact. was saying. What I was saying was Lamelo being out 
is not helping Mitch Kupchak or the Charlotte Hornets win basketball games. That's a fact. LaMelo playing, that's what helps him win. What is helping is Terry Rozier showing that he actually can be a point guard at spots. And that's not anything that we've seen where we really trust it before. So Terry's my guy. I, I think because he's shown something different to his game and actually a pretty big leap too. You're, you're talking about a big improvement in that aspect where we never liked him having to be moved over to point guard. You'd still like to have a third string point guard, which is what this team just kind of allows the leftovers to come their way at the end of the offseason. Teo twice, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina. That's how it's gone. But Terry's really helped them skate by a little bit with, with his improvement this year, even if it's still a flaw with what they decided to do this offseason. Well, two more quick things. One, I would say that the injuries last season benefited Terry Rozier the most in that it allowed him that first opportunity to be the point guard. And I think he failed miserably last season. At the, you, know, you know what I'm saying? But that allowed him to grow and because he was really introspective about it in media day, looking back on that time and going, he had the ball a lot and we stunk. And so, you know, I think he made improvements to his game based on the injuries from last season. So that's number one. Number two, one guy we have to mention is Brandon Miller, the rookie, getting the opportunity. I mentioned the second round picks first, but the first round pick and Brandon Miller getting plenty of time as a starter and proving that he's that he's ready for the moment, but also proving that he has a lot of areas to grow in. And he and he's getting to grow through time being with the, the starting unit and playing more. I mean, he was already playing a lot with good players when the team was that little brief moment, that beautiful moment when the Hornets were healthy and he was coming off the bench. Like, he was playing significant minutes, but he is like – he's playing crunch time minutes. He's playing crucial minutes with starters, and and I think that's only going to benefit him in the years to come. Um, I, I do want to get – it's not on the tag board, so maybe we can adapt a little bit because you were looking up a stat that I had asked about last week, this weekend – with some of the more played rookies in Charlotte Hornets history. Maybe we can dive into that a little bit on the other side of the break and then also talk about another rookie that didn't really work out now in his third season, still not working out. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. James Booknight just not getting any minutes. Are we surprised that he's getting absolutely zero run? We'll discuss that in the next segment of Lockdown Hornets. We've been doing this uh, weekly, but our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. And whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. I mentioned Brandon Pajemski yesterday. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) a doozy that branded name uh we also went with james wiseman grayson allen yesterday there are a couple of other guys though malachi branham for san antonio oh, that's your guy. really a dr- that's your guy. Uh, yeah i liked him liked him coming out of the draft a couple of years back seems to be set as a starter for the spurs for the short term and he's flashed some increasing passing skills increasing his fantasy uh, viability so maybe malachi Branham could be somebody there. And maybe this was another Charlotte Hornets uh, draft favorite for some. Not as much me, but he's playing pretty well. Tari Eason out of LSU Mm -hmm. for the Houston Rockets. Still coming off the bench, but it doesn't really matter as Ime Udoka has found minutes for him. He's a strong fantasy value per minute option who becomes useful 
to everyone as these minutes start to tick up. So how about a, a couple of former Charlotte Hornets draft favorites for different factions of Hornets fans? Malachi Branham and Tari Eason. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can now make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, uh, LED headlights. LED is stupid. Don't get LED without the headlights. Roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. More Locked on Hornets ahead. LED without the headlights attached to it sounds like a disease that you don't want. Yeah, well, I, just, I was like laughing you, because I was imagining someone walking into their mechanic and, and saying, I would like LED, please. Um, mm-hmm. I, the host of Locked on Hornet no said I track. needed LED on my car. Can you put LED on my car, please? And then, yeah, of course. And, and then eBay Motors is saying, wait, do you want LED headlights? No. You know, look, I was listening to Locked on Hornets, and they said that you guys offer LED, and it's going to be a perfect fit building a championship team and building my ride or die. So give me the LED, please. And if they don't give it to you, then you get mad at them. I apologize. I don't want any of those problems. That's a dollar. Apologies That's a dollar in the fun bucket. When you mess up an ad read now, I'm making a new rule. New rule. That's a dollar. <laughs> I don't like these rules. I don't like the Flynn bucket. It sounds awful every single time. It arrives time. today, to by the yet. way. I, I just looked at the tracking. Uh, so maybe uh, we're going to actually do a show tonight live on YouTube That's true. Uh, for this the Pacers true. recap. It'll be our final show before Christmas. And hopefully the Flynn bucket hat arrives in time for that show. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, um, we're, we're all hmm, fingers crossed. We really hope so. Um, <laughs> I, d- I did want to go back to the Brandon Miller discussion because okay. I asked this question last week. And I would imagine Brandon Miller, especially in the second iteration of the Hornets name, like Bobcats, they were so bad. You're playing rookies all the time. But like I, I wanted to know just where Brandon Miller stacked up with most minutes played as a rookie. And I know you were doing some digging this weekend to try to find that out. What did you find, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? Second time we've referenced that today. Yeah, so I had to do this uh, research manually. I didn't really mm-hmm. – I was trying to rack my brain about how I could go to a stat site or something and, and get this list together. So I had to just sort of scroll through basketball reference to, to get these numbers. So I'm doing the work for you folks. I'm out there. I'm pounding the pavement trying to get these sweet, sweet stats for you. So here, here's my Christmas present to you. Uh, this is Thank the answer you. to Walker's question. Does Brandon have a shot? And I need to get – actually, I need to get the updated number. If you could look up the updated number on Brandon Miller's minutes per game gotcha. right now, because when I did this list, he was at 32. So if he finished okay. the season at 32 minutes per game, he would not be uh, the leader in rookie minutes per game in franchise history. That number would have to be a whopping 37.2 belonging to Larry Johnson. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Number one overall pick, Larry Johnson, is going to play the most minutes of any other rookie. And, you remember and it was some a, of the other rookies? Yeah, it was a different time, too, remember? I mean, guys were coming mm-hmm. in, you know, with three or four years of college experience. Now guys are coming in 18, 19 years old. And so minutes, you know, I, I think it was an easier – bet because the bodies were probably better and the experience was better and you could depend on a rookie a little bit more especially one drafted as high as Larry Johnson 
Well, and, and that's a good point. We actually don't talk about this when we live in so much Hornets nostalgia anyway. It's funny that we don't talk about it as much. But the two picks back-to-back, first overall, second overall, with Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning, mm-hmm. both of those guys were as physically ready yep. for the NBA game as any draft picks at that time. Shaq is clearly in a different space. But L- that was the thing about LJ was that, okay, this is a grown man out there able to handle the basketball at that size. No problem whatsoever adjusting physically. Same thing with Alonzo, who had guns on top of guns coming into the game where he was just you know built like a seven-foot freak show and blocking everybody's shot right away uh, uh, in, in impactful. Like It's funny to see those two guys physically ready to go and so that's why they would rack up 37 minutes or 30 minutes too. I, uh, is Zoe up there? In the, you in mentioned the top? Z- yeah, I was going to well, say you yeah. mentioned Zoe. Zoe also above Brandon Miller at 33.9 minutes per game. Now, two uh, two members of this franchise left on the list. Would you like to take a, a stab at who those two players are? Yeah, rookies that played a lot. Um, I would I would imagine if we're going Bobcats days, I would say Emeka Okafor is Boom, up there. got it. Emeka, 35.6, almost got to LJ's record. He is second overall. Now the fourth on this list, the one just above Brandon Miller. I don't think you're going to get this one, so I'm just going to give it to you. UNC okay. legend, J.R. Reed at 33.6 minutes per game. One of the first, I guess Rex Chapman, I guess, <laughs> the first draft pick was a disappointment. But J.R. Reed, also another <clears> – <throat> that's a dollar, sorry. Uh, J.R. tried to fight through it. J.R. Reed, 33.6, another – a little bit of a draft disappointment, although did make a second appearance with this franchise in 97, 98. So, yeah, he did. There you go. So, so yeah, Brandon – so, Emeka, J.R. Reed. What's the updated Johnson, number? Do you have the updated number? 32.2. Okay. 32.2 so minutes per game. Yep. Yeah, not much more, but and it's going to take a little while for that to go up. But yeah, so in the Bobcats days, Emeka is the only one that's ahead of him, and nobody's ahead of him in the second iteration of the Hornets. So this is this is something that we haven't seen in a very very long time, twenty years almost, with Emeka's rookie season. Yeah. So that's that's why with Steve Clifford, by the way, with a team, even when they're healthy, Doug, Brandon wow. Miller. <laughs> would have you, you don't think so i mean maybe not 32. eventually eventually we said this from the very beginning brandon miller was going to eventually start for the charlotte hornets but if they were fully healthy i'm just telling you like brandon miller would still be coming off the bench one guy did get close oh, that's it was, true one guy did get close it wasn't uh it wasn't under clifford but it was in the new hornets era and that was pj washington is right under brandon miller at 30.3 minutes per game amazingly two spots down from that adam morrison at 29.8 i thought so i thought adam might i I thought about messing with him but also like you even look at the first month though doug i mean the second game third game of brandon's career it's 33 minutes 36 minutes you see I, i i do think fully healthy he'd still be coming off of the bench probably but when, especially, you know, you're talking about Miles being healthy. And so I guess that messes up the numbers a little bit. He'd still get to 30, though. And I, it's, it's just different. We usually don't see this um, with him playing this many minutes. So that's interesting there. All right, James Booknight not getting a lot of minutes, though. Let's just quickly touch on that. Yeah. Are you surprised that James Booknight isn't getting any opportunity right now, despite all of the injuries that allow Bryce to get some minutes, Nick Smith Jr., Teo Maladon, when he was here, now that guy is not even on the team, but when he was here, he was getting some of those minutes. You surprised at all? Uh, no, the, the yeah. Hornets as an organization decided, 
at least not to uh, extend or guarantee his stay with the Charlotte Hornets. Now they may, you know, I don't, I don't think it's very likely, but they may sign him to something afterwards. But I, but I think generally his time in Charlotte is is numbered. So that there's a factor there. You you don't have to worry about well we've got to continue to progress with this guy and develop this guy. There's there's not that pull going on. Uh, secondly, I think that Steve Clifford has already given James Booknight his opportunity. And yeah, James right. Booknight did not take advantage of that opportunity. There's that factor. But I don't even think that's the biggest factor in all of this. The biggest factor in all of this is that James Booknight is kind of a one-two combo guy that's not going to pass the ball a lot, so you couldn't really play him at backup point guard. So you're really talking about one slot for him, and that's at the backup two. But they're pretty set there, right? I mean, Brandon Miller and then Bryce McGowan's has been playing well, as I said, as a starter. But even in the sort of backup two minutes that he's gotten, backup two, three, he's played really well. So I, I think, you know, Clifford has shortened his rotation to guys that he can trust. If James Booknight could pass a little more, I, I he could have an argument uh, over Ish Smith. But Ish Smith has been playing well, I would say, in terms of just driving the basketball, moving defenses, and getting the ball out of his own hands and hitting some mid-range jump shots occasionally. Obviously, Ish is not ideal, but he does present something. He presents one thing that could benefit the team's offense. So if, if he could pass more, you could make that argument. If he were a little bigger, you could make an argument, uh, you know, to, to give him minutes over like JT Thor at the three or something. But, but he's none of those things. He sits in this little weird zone that the Hornets don't particularly need right now, which is like small guy who can, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not heat up offensively. That's not what they're looking for right now. You brought up that Steve Clifford already gave him his opportunity, and we've talked about this a lot. I think even without the injuries they had at the beginning of last season, where LaMelo didn't even play at the beginning of last year, James Booknight, he appeared in all but two of the team's first 21 games before he fell really completely out of the rotation. And in those first 20 games or so that he played, where he was absolutely a part of that rotation, he averaged five points on 34% shooting rounded up and 23, 24% three-point shooting on three attempts per game, not many assists. We know about the defensive problems. So we got the opportunity at the beginning of last season, didn't take advantage of it, right? So then bunch of injuries hit this team again, and he gets in there for the last (laughs) 10 games or so. Like at that point, you just don't have a lot of other options to go to. And so book night ends up finding himself in the rotation. Once more plays better, still not great, but does play better. And he's at, he was actually hitting his threes for that 10 game sample. And then, so, okay, you have some life. James book at that point had shown a pulse. You get to summer league and it was really a disappointing summer league for him. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's somebody that needs a point guard as well. Like, which is kind of part of the problem with book night. But you you need somebody that is a point guard. That's why Brandon struggled the summer league until the last game. You know, James Booknight, whatever. There could be an argument there. But you still want him to take over. As a third-year guy, as a lottery pick, you want him to take over. And he never did. And so you're absolutely right. Steve Clifford did give him multiple opportunities, along with James Booknight even the first season. And we saw some flashes, and it just didn't work out. And so it doesn't mean that I don't want him to be, to be successful you're right. Like I just, there's nobody that thinks it's going to happen here. Right. It feels like that's all said and done with if he's not getting any seconds of run right now. 
No, he's almost guaranteed to go somewhere else and, you know, play with LeBron James or something and <laughs> and improve his game significantly, finally get it. You know, guys just don't get it when they're in Charlotte. And maybe there maybe there's something, you know, within this organization that they need to reevaluate uh, well, in terms this of is guys not getting though. it. Like, but it's almost guaranteed to happen that it's going to happen somewhere else and then people will be like, well, you know, Charlotte, man, man. Well, right. But yes, James, even with that example, this is, this is a different level entirely. This is, he, you know, he's not showing anything right now that, I mean, no, okay, cause some, we said, we, you know, I, you yeah. and I both said, I think something to the effect of he had an opportunity under Clifford and he didn't take advantage of it, but that's us being very nice. That's us being very generous. Like if you go back and look at the game logs, yeah, him bad, during man. that time, a guy that you need to play well offensively because defensively you're going to give up some buckets you need this guy to play well mm-hmm. offensively he was having some like over eight you know over 10 kind of nights where you go oh my god this is a disaster on both ends of the floor yeah hopefully he figures it out man because sure. james book Knight, he was a fun player he was a fun player coming in all right that'll do it for the james book Knight conversation some people were asking if we were surprised about him not getting any run we have one more segment to go coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast uh, Kirk Haston averaged 5.1 minutes per game as a rookie. So not up there. Yeah, a little bit further down on the list. Brandon beating him. You know, only because of the injuries, though. If it wasn't for the injuries, then Brandon would be <laughs> behind Kirk Haston. The training staff, how much confidence do we have in him? Do we actually have some stats to share with you on the training staff? Yes, we do, because Doug has been researching once more, been researching some other stats there. I also want to talk a little more about the 2021 NBA draft class. That's still to come. Last segment of Locked on Hornets. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees, and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets, and Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Even if you went to this Panthers game where it was a monsoon, and these ticket prices were like $10, $5. I saw the 45 cent deal. I don't know if that was real, but it was close enough to make me think it actually might be. This was the website for you to find right up to the minute ticket deals because this is for the procrastinators as I raise my hand high. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, not even just sporting events, concerts, comedy theater, and even more than that. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guarantee. One more segment to go, Locked On Horn. I wanted to finish up with the 2021 draft class because I I was asked about this um, on WFNZ, just how bad that class hurt this team, Doug. And, and look, and Mitch Kupchak for some of the flaws that he has as a general manager of this team, you know, he has hit on first round picks and even second round picks. If a second round pick gets a second contract, then Hey, what else do you want to do, especially at that kind of rate? And you're able to parlay a Devontae Graham, a second round pick into a first rounder. And there were some, I even thought, hey, I, I don't, 
want to trade Devontae. I think he could really help alongside LaMelo. But that 2021 draft class where you select James Booknight, it's the only time they trade back into the first round because they want a guy. Usually they'll either move back. We saw that in the Mark Williams selection. We saw that with Miles Bridges. I was going to say, yeah, he hit on, he really hit on SGA. That was a great, (laughs) that was a great thing. You know, he has been good. That's why I would have liked him to make, you know, multiple first round picks when he had the opportunity to. Exactly. Not that the Hornets need another center or anything, but you know, whatever. Exactly. Or just more talent, right? <laughs> just in, in, either way, just more talent. Malachi Branham, although I, he's not great right now. So anyways, anyways, Mitch Kupchak has shown that he can hit with some of these picks, but when it all hits you in one draft, Doug, and then when you trade back up, right, when you get rid of a first round pick that you no longer have access to, to use for in-season trades. So now you, you can't compete with some of these other teams in going star hunting. You don't have another resource to use just to bring in a rotation guy, a three and D player that's so valuable in the NBA. So you get rid of that for a player that isn't on your team the third season. Yeah. And some of that is unforeseen, right? I'm not, I'm not mad at the Hornets for not being able to see what was going to happen with Kai Jones. They saw a unicorn that they thought they could mold into something that was unstoppable or something crazy good for the squad. And it just didn't happen, but you miss on both of your first round picks, the rare time where they traded back up in the top 20 selections to go get a guy. And now JT Thor is the one getting the most run and more Thor, that movement just hasn't quite caught on. Just hasn't, you know, the third step, it just hasn't happened this year. Is that the turning point for this Charlotte Hornets team, just not being able to take that next step? How bad did that uh, set this team back? Well, it's not only that those picks didn't work out, right? It's the fact that you gave up assets or yeah. potential assets and those players didn't work out. When so many teams, especially ones that are – you know, not playing well or in a rebuild or a semi-rebuild, that's a dollar, uh, are looking to acquire assets. You know, this team was moving assets in order to make those picks, and and it didn't work out. But I, I think why it hurts this team in particular is something that I've talked about a lot on this show, and that's that Cupcheck so heavily leverages drafting players and getting those players into the rotation, developing those players, and hoping that those players pop such that it's going to result in more wins for this franchise, whereas other franchises are using all means of team building, trades, free agency, any kind of maneuver that they can make to add additional talent because those teams understand that the draft, for as many resources as teams put into it, people flying around the country, stats, game film analysis, all of that. You can put all those resources in, and it's still kind of a giant crapshoot because you're talking about drafting very young men who, and you can't crawl into their head and understand like, hey, how are you going to handle all of a sudden playing against the best talent that you've ever played against? Oh, and also there are all these other external pressures that come along from being a high draft pick, and you're getting more money than you've ever, for most of these guys, more money than you've ever imagined. And so how are you going to handle all of that? Are you going to stay committed? Are you going to, uh, you know, continue to improve your game year after year? Are you going to be okay Unlike James Booknight, are you going to be okay if your role isn't exactly as you imagined it because you were a college star? There's just there's there's very little that they can do to evaluate that. And so when you're so heavily leveraged in that area, when one 
draft goes awry. Yes, it has ripple effects, and you don't feel them immediately because you are drafting guys that are 18, 19 years old. You don't even plan for those players to be truly ready for like three or four years. And so these ripple effects that happen when you miss entirely on a draft are are brutal, and that's what the Hornets are dealing with right now. Well, and, and so last thing on this too, because we've discussed the whole do something mantra with Mitch Kupchak. Um, do something, please. please. That's what we've been preaching this entire time. It You can understand, trades are hard to make. Mitch Kupchak yeah. has not made them at all. He's been sitting on his hands every single trade deadline. But trades, they're hard to make because you want to make sure you're getting the win. It's hard for both guys to walk away feeling they won the trade. So I get that. What really hurts is that you haven't had any changing of the roster in free agency. And that's not a small market thing. That is a that is not a, according to you, no, but now Mitch would tell you that is a small market. That's the I, excuse. I There's a lot that's, of excuse that's who making. I was talking to yes. that's who I was talking to. <laughs> yes, because Mitch is clearly listening. I'm saying no, Mitch. It's actually not a small market thing. It it can be with some of the bigger deals that you have to shell out more money. But when you're talking about other small market teams, they will make some savvy signings where they might pay a little bit more to another role player, but there hasn't been any change for it. And so your biggest signings the last few seasons have been bringing back Cody Martin. It's been waiting a very long time until you get PJ Washington. Doug, the last, what, are we are we going on three free agency periods now where the Hornets are always one of the last teams to be rumored in a deal? Laurie Markkinen comes to mind, Grant Williams, and then Dallas ends up picking him up, you know, PJ but that's a guy that you were even just bringing back. Even Kelly Oubre was last, and then eventually he goes somewhere else. Some of it their fault, some of it not. But they, they're they always either last to the punch with some of these guys, or they're just bringing their own players back. So there's nothing that changes. And guess what? When you don't make any changing moves, the organization doesn't change unless you hit on these draft picks. And it takes a while for some of these young guys to impact winning right away. And so even if you don't have Mitch Kupchak making the deals that we saw in a very different situation, but we saw him make a lot of deals with the L.A. Lakers at the time, he hasn't done any of that. The first trade he ever made was like Brad Wanamaker for cash considerations. And I haven't seen considerations really hit on the floor yet either. This is just how it's been. And it's been really frustrating to watch. All right, with all that being said, let's try to hit on this training staff because it's got the flame emoji next to it. And I wanted to get to it because you work so hard to research it. Also by looking at James Plowright's Twitter account, and that's how hard you work. So, Doug, why don't you share with the folks what you have here on the training staff? Well, this is generated, I should say, from one of the subtexters, one of the sickos uh, who are in the sicko brigade over on subtext, jointsubtext.com slash Hornets, asked me, is it more on players or the team medical staff or facilities on why the Hornets can't stay healthy? This is the second year now. So great question. Um, one that I don't know that we'll entirely be able to answer because I think it is sort of a messy situation when you're talking about medical and human beings and figuring out what the best way to approach these different things. And you've got a lot of different parties. You've got the team. This has always been the rub. You've got the team party that wants the player to be available as quickly as possible to contribute to wins. And you've got players who want to have kind of long-term viable careers 
And so that's always going to be the trouble. But people have been zeroing in on on the training staff, asking, you know, if it's time to make a change there, because this is a training staff headed up by Joe Sharp, who I'm sure you've heard that name before, Eric Collins, calling him the best cut man in the league. This is a training staff that was carried over from the Borrego era into the second Clifford era. And, And there was a lot of, I guess that means that there's some organizational trust in the guy and probably warranted based on, this uh, research that was done by uh, In Street Clothes that looks at the that looked at the athletic training staff for all of the teams, and and gave Joe Sharp a five year rank of second in the league and a ten year rank of fourth in the league in terms of keeping players healthy and keeping teams from losing those players and losing those minutes. But and here's where the subtexter is making the point here. If you look at last season for Joe Sharp, total games lost, he ranked 26th. Minutes per game lost, 29th. Salary lost, only 23rd, but that's because Cody Martin wasn't making a lot of money when he was missing a lot of games. You know, Cody Martin, LaMelo Ball, those significant injuries, dragging those numbers down. And so this was a year that that the Hornets entered virtually fully healthy, that Joe Sharp and that team had a chance to prove, hey, that was an anomaly year and so far, they haven't. And so that's that's the situation that we find ourselves in. This Look, this is a league that, and Clifford will tell you this all the time, you, you are your record. It's all about results. It's what have you done for me lately? So Joe Sharp, probably well-respected, and, and it's not entirely his fault. You know, some of this is, uh, you know, just weird happenstance of Cody Martin, odd injury, LaMelo Ball, freak ankle injury, and – you know, situations like that. But look, I, I think you do have to put a magnifying glass on the training staff and say, hey, are they doing everything that's possible? Not not, in, not after the injury. Because that's, to me, really a training staff is about prepare, preparing players so that they don't get injured in the first place, that there's that long-term management situation. And I, I think they have to ask some serious questions, especially if they're going to move on from their second coach in a couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I have zero clue. It does suck. We know that. It does suck that the Hornets have suffered this amount of injuries the last couple of seasons. And I'll say one other thing before we end. You go back to two years ago. There's been so much of the James Borrego-Steve Clifford comparison. So many people have talked about they should have never fired James Borrego. It's time to fire Steve Clifford now. And I've seen 50-50 on Clifford. Some blaming more Mitch, some blaming Steve. But go back to how healthy they were two years ago when they did win over 40 games. Doug, P.J. Washington, J.T. Thor, and Nick Richards led the team in games played last year. P.J. played 73, J.T. played 69, Nick Richards played 65. You have to go to Terry, who was fourth at 63, in order to get to a, you know, star, star star-ish, one of your best players on the squad. That was last season. Two years ago, where 63 was fourth, 63 would have been eighth in games played the year prior. They were so healthy. Miles played 80. Kelly played 76. Mello played 75. Mason, 73. Terry, 73. Cody, 71. PJ, 65. Your entire rotation that you care about, first and foremost, outside of Gordon Hayward, all played 65 games or more. And it's been a monster difference the two years following and we're going to get something similar to last year, what we've seen so far at the beginning of this season. Well, and two, a lot of this, I think, with training staffs, our relationship between your best players and the training staff and building a trust there because, 
you know, the, the training staff is trying to get them out onto the court as quickly as possible, trying to correctly diagnose, you know, particular injuries in the middle of a game in high-pressure situations, right? You take them back, you try to figure it out. Can they return? Can they not return? If they do return, if we misdiagnose this and they do return and they re-injure it while they're out there, that could be huge. So there has to be a lot of trust there. And we saw, you go back to November of 2022, where Gordon Hayward, uh, they called it a shoulder contusion, And it was actually uh, like a fractured scapula, a a fractured shoulder. And Gordon Hayward's wife was on social media saying, hey, they're calling this a bruise. It's actually fractured. And she would go on to, you know, uh, delete that. And and Gordon would try to patch that up. There's obvious. But look, I, I think that obviously points to, you know, some issues there with with training staff and players. So so I think, again, if you're the ownership group, you have to put a magnifying glass on every single aspect of this organization, <laughs> from the from the people who are doing you know sch- scheduling uh, flights to Canada and to check and see if everyone's legal legal so that they can get across the border. I mean, this is an organization that t- to me is is in total shambles right now. Is not a not even close to a world class organization. They've got to look at every single aspect, and I think it's fair game to ask some questions when two seasons in a row now you have gotten significant. And, and look, if you're ownership too, you're paying for these players to play, and they are not playing. And so if I were an ownership group, I would say, hey, I'm a little upset about that. I would like to find some people who can make sure that the people we're paying a lot of money to play actually get on the floor and give us minutes. All right, that'll do it for Locked on Hornets. That's Doug Branson. Find him on his Substack, stack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And listen to me, WFNZ, every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. I am getting close to drawing a fine here. Like, we're, we're so close, and, and I need to clear my throat at the end, so I'm going to try to hold on. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tonight to do a live edition on YouTube after the Pacers game. So check back in tonight. We'll be going live. We appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you later on.